You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Joshua chapter 3 this morning. And we are going to end this morning with a communion at the end of the service. So you can be looking forward to that uh, as a community, as a church family. I want to share a message with you in light of what the Lord has been speaking to my heart and the journey that he's had me on, uh, entitled New Ground, because I believe this is the, the path of every follower of Jesus, and then therefore, every household of faith. If we are a group of Jesus people, a, a company of people devoted to King Jesus, then there should be this marker, this attribute, this trait about us, that we are trusting him with our futures, and we are trusting him with, the, um, with what the next step is. And oftentimes we find that he's leading us to new ground, to places that we haven't gone before. And so as a church family, I'm telling you that the Lord is calling us somewhere that we have not gone before. We haven't gone there before. So now begin to count the cost. I want you as a church family, I'm exhorting you to count the cost of what it means to trust King Jesus with our future as a church, to go to places that we haven't gone before. What that means is less of us and more of him. We decrease and he increases. That is the cross that we need to be willing to pick up. This way into new ground, to new places, for us as a church family or you as an individual follower of Jesus. It's not led by our ingenuity or our personality. He leads the way and that's what makes it so beautiful. It's a way that can only come through the laying down of our own lives and our own um, natural fleshly pursuits so that he can be made known, he can be made manifest, he can be demonstrated to the world around us because he's leading the charge. He's leading the way and it makes the way into these promised places. He has a promised land for us, a promised place for us. Amen? Over these last couple of weeks, as me and my wife have been preparing for, for just these next eight weeks, so we're taking this, this eight-week season of rest to go up on the mountain and seek the Lord, to spend time with him, to receive from him, not for the sake of pouring out, but just for the sake of receiving. It's actually brought me, in many ways, back to some some of the first things that the Lord did in my life. You see, my life was turned upside down on the college campus. At North Dakota State, I was just an engineering nerd, uh, very introverted, uh, loved math, and uh, didn't necessarily know how to love people, just loved math. And, um, And it was there on the college campus that the Lord began to move. There was a group of us students that began meeting early in the morning at our church and just began to cry out, saying, God, would you move in our midst? Like, would you, would you show up and move in the hearts of students on our campus? And over a period of weeks, months, and, and the following years, the Lord showed up on our campus. And this small group of 30 or 40 college students just blew up to several hundreds of students gathering in this theater twice uh, in one week, Um, on a given Thursday night at North Dakota State University. It was just a sovereign move of God as the Lord responded um, to the the humble cry of some college students. But through that, 
my eyes were opened. And in light of this series, my heart was awakened to what I was created for, to go on this journey to these places that I've never been before. Because throughout that entire move of God, the Lord was stirring me and urging me and compelling me to step out in ways that I never, that I never thought possible in my life. And it was like, Drew, will, will you follow me? That's, the, that's the, the kind of the, the question that I heard the Father asking me. Drew, will you follow me? Will you come with me to these places you've never been before? So from, from college, me and my wife, we responded to that question. Yes, we'll follow you. We followed King Jesus out to Seattle, Washington. I worked as a nuclear engineer for the Department of Defense. And it was out there that we prayed a prayer saying, God, we, like, we're ready to go wherever you want us to go. We felt like we were ready to step into ministry. And, and again, the Lord said, Drew, will you follow me to places you've never gone before? You see, we'd never been to Iowa. We'd never been to, to Ames, Iowa. The Lord led us here after a few years out there. And, and it's almost like these last couple of weeks, the Lord has been stirring up that question again. Drew, will you, will you trust me? Will you follow me to places that you've never gone before? And what was stirred up in me is that childlikeness that maybe I had a few years ago, that maybe I've allowed to grow, grow cold. Where life grows too predictable. Things can get too calculated. But I'm starting to embrace more and more and realize I wouldn't have it any other way than following King Jesus to un unknown new ground. I don't want to play it safe. I'd much rather go with King Jesus to new ground than go it alone in familiar places. And so as followers of Jesus and as a community of Jesus followers, he is calling us to new ground. He's calling us to go to places we have never been, been before. You know, this last Wednesday night, we had just had a beautiful time gathering as a church family, praying for a move of God, praying for a revival. And what happens in a, in a company of people, when you start praying that way, praying for God to pour out his spirit, for, for revival, for, for waves of people in our city to come to know Jesus, I want to warn you, you better look out. When you begin praying that way, the Lord's going to begin to call you to trust him in greater ways. With those moves of God into those new, new places comes a level of surrender, a level of laying down your will and your ways so that you can experience days of salvation and, and refreshing. And so I do believe that those days are coming, days of outpouring, days of us sending out workers into the labor field or into the, into the harvest field. So I want us to look at Joshua chapter three because the people of Israel in this portion of, of scripture are standing before the promised land. Just like, just like us, the Lord has a promised way for us. He has certain promises for us. You as an individual, but us as a company of people. But there is a familiar path that the Lord is reminding Joshua of. This is a path that Joshua grew up in the midst of. Because Joshua, if you know, he was the assistant or the attendant of Moses. So he, first, he got firsthand um, 
training in what it was like to trust the Lord, to be led by the presence of God, to be led by the glory and the power of God, and not your uh, leadership prowess. So Joshua knew, but now it was upon him. Would he trust the Lord in the way that he saw Moses trust the Lord to these new places? So they're coming up to the, to the Jordan River, and the Jordan River becomes this, this barrier, this, this blockade separating them from the promised land. Let's read this uh, starting in verse, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. This was, this was the first key. Trusting that once again, the glory of God, the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant led by the Levitical priests would lead the way into the promised land. This was the way of God's people. And it, and it had been in the prior generation as well for Moses. In Moses' leadership, what was it that led them through the wilderness? It was the glory of God. It was the, the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day, right? It was always the, the Ark of the Covenant that they encamped around which is the presence of God. So Joshua knew that it was the presence that led them into this new ground. And he was going to go slow. He was going to go low and slow to ensure that the people of God got this right. So they encamped for three days. And they, sent, they sent the commanders out, the kind of the, the leaders out throughout the camp. And said, don't move, please. Let's take this slow. We want to get this right. We want to be led by the glory of God, not by our intellect. We don't want to be led by uh, our strategies. We want to be led by the presence of God. It's the Ark of the Covenant that's going to go through first. And we're going to fall behind. And that is the, the upside down way of the kingdom. He leads the way. We don't. And that's why at the heart of, of this community is worship. It's a, it's a love for him. When he's worshiped in spirit and truth, when he is made known and his presence becomes known amongst the people, then we can go into the new places that he's called us to. Then we can go onto the new ground. I know a lot of people kind of scratch their heads when they, they first visit our church as to how we, or why we worship so wildly, why we worship so, um, so expressively. But I, I can't imagine any other way to worship. Than, than to express it outwardly. I can't imagine just singing some songs with my hands in my pockets. I just, I can't, I can't imagine it. If we're actually meaning the words that we're singing. So it's the presence of the Lord, which is stewarded through worship that leads the way into this new ground. Let's keep reading. Verse four. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. It's like half a mile, a little over half a mile. So quite a distance. He's like, no, really, for real. Like, don't get nervous or anxious and try to get up there close next to the Ark of the Covenant like you're going to miss out. No, stay back, stay humble, stay low and stay slow. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. There it is. We're going to places that we have not passed before. We have not gone this way before. 
Verse five, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, like set yourselves apart. Lay down your lives in preparation for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and, and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. So it's on. They're starting this journey towards the breakthrough, towards the new ground. And this is our way of life as people of God, as children of God. We have not gone this way before. What happens when you say yes to King Jesus as Savior is you say yes to King, King Jesus as King and Lord and Master over your life. And so on, in that moment, in that, that day of new birth, also comes the death of perfect familiarity and predictability. Those places, those old places where you ruled in your life, where you had perfect control of your life, those places don't require any faith. They don't require any trust. Instead, Jesus showed up at your boat one day and he said, come and follow me. He said, come and follow me. You're familiar with fishing, like you know how, but I'm, I'm actually calling you to come. I'm gonna teach you how to be fishers of men. I'm gonna teach you ways that you never imagined. I'm gonna bring you into this upside down kingdom and teach you how to live life to the way I designed, I designed you to, to thrive. So you may have learned, or you may have learned a certain way from the past, certain ways of doing things in the past, but now on this new path, he is going to be your teacher, teaching you new, new ways. So why don't you say this to your, to your, uh, to your neighbor? Mystery is not your enemy. Mystery is not your enemy. Mystery is not your enemy. Oftentimes, especially you know, coming out of 2020, where everyone wanted to know what was going to come next and what everything meant in the world, like we began to all cling for control, cling for uh, you know, uh, grasp for answers. Well, as, as children of God, as followers of King Jesus, mystery is now our way of life. Mystery is now our invitation for dependence on God. As human beings, we all tend to gravitate towards familiar places where everything is known and everything is predictable. Like we only have so much capacity for mystery. But you'll, you'll grow as you mature in the Lord. You'll grow in this capacity to trust the Lord with more as you follow him you'll realize as you follow King Jesus that he's calling you to a way that you haven't passed before. Therefore, once again, he's calling you to trust him. We never graduate from that as children of God. Amen? I know this becomes a stumbling block for a lot of people because there's a lot of reasons that people begin to follow Christ. Some people follow Christ because their parents were Christians, and so they just think it's the, the family thing to do. You know, some people just kind of grow up in the church, and they never really think about, okay, why am I here? What am I doing? Why am I following this, following God? Some people come to Jesus in moments of dire need, in moments of crisis, and they make a decision to follow Jesus. 
And oftentimes these crossroads, these moments where he's calling us to trust him in new ways, to go to new places, these, these become stumbling block moments. Will you trust him? Because when we said yes to Jesus as Savior, we said yes to him as King, and now he's leading our life. He's, he's leading us down a path that we've never been before. And this requires a new level of trust. Will I trust him with relationships? Will I trust him with my finances? Will I trust him with my kids? Will I trust him with my loneliness? Will I trust him with my fear? And the list can go on and on and on. In different seasons, in different moments of life, you come to this Jordan River of sorts and you're called to trust him in a fresh way as a child of God. So let's, let's look at how the Lord empowers them to do this, how the Lord leads them to experience the breakthrough. Verse seven, then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel that they may know you, or that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Those are the instructions of the Lord for them to pass through into this new ground. What was the first thing he said? He said, first stand still. We're going somewhere we've never been before, and this is how. First, stand still. Stillness is where you hear from God. Stillness before the great leap of faith is the moment where, again, you check your heart, you check your motives. Once again, you surrender yourself to the Lord. Once again, you're making sure that you're going slow and allowing his presence to go before you. You first stand still. This is how the Lord prefers to work. Yes, it's in partnership with us, but it's him that does the heavy lifting. This was a familiar command for Joshua because he heard it as a young boy when he watched Moses lead the children of Israel. I actually read this passage last week, Exodus chapter 14. This is Moses standing before the Red Sea, so kind of a similar scenario. A breakthrough is needed, and the command that, that Moses gives to the people is, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. It's that place of silence and stillness that you, you allow the Lord to move in. It gives space for the Lord to move. Centuries later in Psalm 46, verse 10, David says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. This is the way of the, of the children of God. In stillness, in silence, for us to take a deep breath before the leap of faith, for us to allow the Lord to be preeminent, for him to have space to move. Then he says, this is how you shall know the living God is among you. He gives them this insight as to the the strategic importance of the breakthrough they're about to experience. The breakthrough they're about to experience by actually being able to pass through the Jordan River isn't just a standalone snippet in time, but it actually becomes the building block for the next breakthrough. He says, here's how you'll have confidence that you can take out the Canaanites and the, the Perizzites and all the otherites, right? The Ammonites, the Gergesites. This is how you're gonna have the confidence to take on even bigger um, blockades, things in your way. There's gonna be new ground that I'm calling you to in the future and this is how you're gonna have the strength and the courage is from the testimony of this breakthrough. This will be a moment that you look back on. Hey, oh yeah, the Lord miraculously led us through the Jordan. So this is the power of testimony. These breakthroughs that the Lord is, is calling us to, to step out and believe for, they become the catalyst for the rest of the breakthroughs in our future. The Lord is writing a story. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And as we go from glory to glory, the prior glory becomes a testimony for us to, to stand on. As we trust him with one thing, the Lord then gives us a grace to trust him with another thing. Oh yeah, we trusted him in that season. Maybe, maybe early on, you're trusting him in relationships and you trusted him and the Lord came through and he miraculously provided community. He, he, he allowed you to experience breakthrough from loneliness. Well, then you, you move on to some other thing. Maybe, maybe it's for finances. Maybe it's marital issues. And again, the Lord is bringing you to that crossroads. Will you trust him? And that testimony from prior years becomes the groundwork for another breakthrough. But then he says this, and I am going to wrap it up here soon. Verse 13, when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that's when the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. There is a critical principle here that I, I want you to understand. And if, honestly, if you don't get anything else out of this morning, I, I hope it's this point. Eventually, if you're going to see a breakthrough in your life, if you're going to see the Lord bring you into, into new ground, you have to get wet. You have to be willing to get wet. If you want to walk on water, you first have to get out of the boat. He's not going to come over and force you out of the boat. Imagine being Peter on that day in Matthew chapter 14. The other disciples actually had a similar invitation, but it was Peter that was willing to step out of the boat. You know, the, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is told in all the gospels, but John chapter six gives us this beautiful insight into the story in that the, the, the five loaves and two fishes 
actually came from a a little boy. But imagine this crowd of 5,000 people. It actually, the scripture tells us it was 5,000 men. So in likelihood, you know, it was tens of thousands of people in that crowd that day. Is it likely, just in terms of statistics, that really all the food amongst all these people, it was just this lunch from this little boy of five loaves and two fishes? No. The, the little boy was the one who was willing to surrender his lunch. He was, he was, he was the one who had the childlike faith enough to surrender his, the stuff that he had, the little amount that he had to the Messiah and see what the Messiah could do with it. Many other people in that crowd, I'm sure, had something that they could have offered the Messiah, but they didn't. First, we have to surrender our lunch. First, you have to step out of the boat. Imagine being the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter five. She had to to die to the, the opinion of others and the discomfort of pushing through the crowd. Who else had some prolonged uh, chronic disease and they weren't willing to push through the crowd to touch, touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Sometimes you have to push through the crowds. Think of Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham has to sacrifice Isaac on the altar in order to see the Lord's miraculous provision. They again trust that the Lord is enough, that he is going to provide the sacrifice And the list goes on and on. Sometimes you have to build the ark before the rain comes. This is a principle. If you want to see the breakthrough, eventually you're going to have to get wet. If you want to go to the places the Lord promised you, the places we've never passed before, we'll have to get wet. We have a pool in our backyard just an above ground pool. I built a little deck around it. And I think it's so funny because the deck isn't super huge, but kids will sometimes come over and they, they stand on the small deck. And what happens when you're on the deck next to the pool? You'll probably get wet. But some kids, they, they don't want to get wet. They put their swimsuit on and they, they come over and somehow it didn't compute that they're, they're going to have to get wet eventually, right? It's like going to the pool and not thinking you'll get wet. It's like, going fishing and never putting your line in the lake. I remember learning this principle growing up. My younger brother always caught so many more fish than the rest of us. But what I realized is he was always fishing. Like he always had his line in the water. Some of us, we gave up. We would be back sipping coffee around the fire or playing, you know, gathering fire, which also needs to be done. But he would have his line in the water. And what happens? You're going to catch more fish if you have your line in the water more than everyone else. There's a reason some people experience more of the miraculous, more of the supernatural. I would say very rarely it's because of more anointing. I'd say more often it's because they're willing to take the risk. They're willing to step out and do what others aren't willing to do. They're willing to trust the Lord with more, to give God more space to move. So, so far too many believers sit on the shore looking at others who are experiencing the ongoing display of God's goodness. But really the invitation is theirs as well. The invitation is given to them as well. No one in the kingdom of God is meant to be sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the shores. I'm gonna actually ask the worship team to come forward at this, at this time. This is a message with application for you as an individual, but us as the church family as well. This is same for our church. Churches can play it safe. 
They can just have a, a nice organizational presence in their community, or they can truly be a light in their city. They can truly be salt on the earth. They can truly be a city on a hill. And he wants our church family to be marked by his presence in such a way that our city is forever changed. But there's a crossroads we're going to continue to come to time and time again as a church family. This is the path of maturity that he's calling us to. We're going to come to these Jordan River moments. And he's going to, he's, he's going to ask us that question. Are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to get wet? Are you, wet, are you ready to get ankle deep? That was like the, that was the benchmark in the Lord's uh, the Lord's kingdom, the Lord's economy. It wasn't dipping a toe. For some reason, what the Lord was asking them to trust them ankle deep, get in ankle deep, and that's when the Jordan River is going to break. That's when the water is going to stop. I don't know what always the threshold is going to be. In this instance, it was ankle deep. And so, what I'm recognizing in our church is that God is calling a company of people into something really beautiful. But the cost is the cost of us saying yes and dying to predictability and familiarity. Us dying to our agenda so we can pick up his agenda. And this happens from the moment we wake up in the morning to every time we gather as a church family that our hearts would be wide open to what the Lord wants to do. You can read the rest of the chapter. I don't have time to finish Joshua chapter three. You can, you can read the last few verses. What happens is they pass through on dry ground. <laughs> the breakthrough comes because they're, they're still. They allow the, the Ark of the Covenant to go, f- go through first and then they go ankle deep and the water parts. I want us to end with, by receiving communion. Do you mind grabbing me uh, a set of communion elements, Tanya? So you'll find in the seat, seat pockets before you uh, communion elements, actually in the little cup holder before you. Would you all stand in this place? I want us to respond to the Lord. There's, a, there's actually a number of responses that I want to give space for this morning before we end. One is... I want to give space to pray for anybody in this place who lead anybody in a, in a prayer this morning who wants to surrender their life to Christ. I want to do that first. Then I want us to receive communion. Then I want us to pray a prayer as a church family saying yes to this call to trust him with our future, that he is taking us into new ground. So would you all bow, bow your heads and close your eyes in this place? I know there's people joining us online as well. I want to give you space to respond to King Jesus. I've been talking this morning about that moment when you surrender your life to Christ, when he becomes your savior, your Lord, your all. And there's a lot of things that lead people to that moment, but every person has to come to that place, that moment in time when they finally say yes to King Jesus for the first time. John chapter three describes it as being born again. That's what Jesus, how Jesus described it. So it's available to every single person this morning. If you've never experienced that, or maybe you've wandered away from the Lord and, you, and this morning you want to pray that prayer, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you. I just wanna know, 
what I'm praying for. Is there anybody? If you're joining us online, there's a number that, that actually shows up on the screen. You can text that number. And we'd love to follow up with you and just reach out and, and help you in your journey with Christ. Is there anybody this morning? I don't see any hands. But if you're joining us online, or honestly at any moment, because I'm not a mediator between you and God, this is a prayer you can pray at any moment, even tonight, before you lay your head on your, on your pillow at night. You can cry out to the Lord and pray like this, Lord, you are now my sufficiency. I recognize that I can't do anything about my sin issue. I can't clean my life up. I can't do enough good works. I can't have one stellar day and somehow convince you of my righteousness. I know I stand condemned before a holy God. And so today I recognize that you alone are the answer. You are the only one who could take my place because you lived in perfection. And so today I lay my, lay my life down before you, asking for forgiveness believing that your grace is gonna wash over me, removing my sin from my life, as far as the east is from the west, washing me as white as snow, and Holy Spirit comes to actually live inside of me. I'm gonna follow you, King Jesus. You are my sufficiency. You are all I need now. I'm gonna follow you from this day forward. That's the prayer you can pray. That's not a formula. That is a, a prayer from your heart to your heavenly father. Let's take the communion elements. If you're joining us online, you can go ahead and grab a piece of bread or grab a cracker, some juice and join us, please join us. We see in the New Testament, this really being a matter of uh, an act done in community. And so in the early church, this was done in this context more often than it was done individually. And so I think this is a beautiful way to even mark this morning and the message the Lord put on my heart is the Lord is leading us into new ground. We're going there led by King Jesus, by this, this one who's willing to lay down his life for us, send Holy Spirit and empower us to go through this Jordan River into new ground. So let's take the bread. Lord, this morning, we remember the sacrifice of your own body, that you weren't in aberration or an illusion. You weren't just an image, but you were actually physical flesh that came. You were God in man, the God man. And we remember that, the significance of you being both fully God and fully man, and then willingly giving yourself on the cross. You were beaten on our behalf, you were whipped on our behalf, and it's by your stripes that we are healed. We thank you for your body. And we eat of it. And in this act of communion, Lord, we are actually together entering into a level of spiritual unity that you prophesied about in the gospels. So we do that now, Lord, in your name. You need the bread.
can take the juice, the cup. Lord, we thank you for your blood. You set the precedent saying that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so we, we stop and we remember, even as Alex was talking earlier, we, we stop and remember this was given as a gift so that our hearts would always be reminded. Our senses would actually help our souls remember the sacrifice of your blood shed on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins, for healing in our bodies. In your mighty name, amen. Let's drink the cup. Just lift your hands all across this place. Lord, we're going with you. We're following your lead. This morning we lay down our clinging to familiarity and predictability. We lay it all down before you. You're calling us to trust you in greater ways. You're calling us to greater levels of trust and surrender. I'm telling you before my church family that I never wanna graduate from this place of complete abandon of trust, of trusting my Father. So we trust you with our future. I pray for a grace to be poured out upon this house, upon these individuals this morning, for the individual Jordan Rivers that they face, the breakthroughs that they need. I pray that there would be a grace for individuals to trust you with their lives. We pray that there would be a breaking off of anxiety and fear and clinging for control and and OCD tendencies and worry and sleepless nights. The clinging for control, we break it off in the name of Jesus. There would just be a grace to trust you with childlikeness, the childlike freedom that is ours. It just would be poured out upon this house in your mighty name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.